The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. Week morning, five Bob is in the Harris. books. It was like a rough weekend, man. Yeah, it was kind of a weird. It was kind of a weird deal overall, for sure. Um, you know, discombobulating. Rougher for some than others. <laughs> yes, I would say that discombobulating all around. But let's you know, let's start off with someone who doesn't seem discombobulated at all. That's Brock Purdy. Are you feeling Brock Purdy as like? Uh, sometimes I watch what's going on here and I go, it would be kind of cool if he were like the next Tom Brady type of player. Like a lot that there was a Tom Brady type of player before Tom Brady. But are you oh. getting vibes that he could be like a 10-year starter in this league? Yes, he is the Stepford quarterback. You have said it. He's in the perfect system. Uh, he's got a great supporting cast around him for his development, right? I think, it, you know, and... That's going to matter as time goes on and those other players around him come and go. Um, he's going to have this grounding and this understanding of both the offense he's in, the way he reads defenses based on that offense, all the things. And and uh, and he's got a great coach. I know not everyone is a big fan of Kyle Shanahan. Um, but in this case, for this purpose, it's, a, it, it's an ideal system for this player. And it's just amazing to me that the, you know, Mr. Irrelevant – can come in and, you know, prove to be relevant. And I think you're seeing it, you know, I think we've talked about it over the offseason. There's a lot of a lot of wannabe Brock Purdy's in this year's draft uh, that may still be Brock Purdy, right? That may still get an opportunity at some point to be something or to prove themselves. But that's where we're going to see a lot more of that. The NFL is a copycat league. And if any of them have a uh, even a, a, a portion of the success that Brock Purdy's having, I think you'll continue to see way more of it. I, mean, I had Brock Purdy rated higher than Zach Wil Wilson coming out of the draft. That's for sure. But you also expect that the NFL owners are so reliant on highly athletic, big arm guys who see it, throw it, but don't anticipate it, that they they enable a lot of these guys and try and flash fry them as a uh, you know in terms of development. Sometimes you get a delicious sear, and sometimes you get a burned chunk of meat. And I think more often than not, you get a burned chunk of meat. And some of the guys that do survive that are the ones that are forced to sit or benched a little bit, wind up on another team and resurface elsewhere. Jared Goff, um, I would argue Tua Tungavailoa resurfaced on a different team in the same city um, based on a coaching change. And and then, you know, of course, a uh, guy like Geno Smith. So, you know, there are opportunities out there, you know, got if owners let people sit a little bit, let quarterbacks sit a little bit, this would be a different story. Brock Purdy to me, very um, you know, always great in the pocket, very good anticipation and you could see that he saw the field in an aggressive manner um at Iowa State. So, yeah, I think he's a 10-year starter. So, I would agree with say Rex I smell the slipper Cinderella, Cinderella slipper more than like all over Cinderella Ryan that you know Brock Purdy is for real but I also would agree with Dan Orlovsky look at me look at me that uh you know um that Mac Jones probably could have wound up in New England and uh 
and been Arsene, everything been, that Brock Purdy and, is. Yeah, been been a lot of what Brock Purdy is. Right. If maybe more in some ways, less in others. Um, I feel that. But yeah, so I think they were both right, even if they were so there arguing. So how did they? TV. So the question, the question then is, how did they get sidetracked onto Trey Lance? I think, I think that was a. I would argue that was probably a John Lynch call or the scouts. You know, either the scouts, either the scouts or the GM or the owner wanted a guy who had the the it physical qualities, and it overruled whoever on staff, with, uh, in conjunction with Kyle Shanahan, who wanted a player who was heady about what they do, and then Shanahan probably said, "Well, you know." Pops always told me if I don't get the quarterback, if they're not going to give me the quarterback I want, demand that we take at least one one other quarterback in the draft that maybe can give me a shot Kirk to Cousins outplay style. the guy who can't. <laughs> yep, exactly. So uh, I think that's what happened there. And good for Kyle Shanahan. I feel I mean, all this. Yes. Do you feel Justin Fields? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we wanted him to be something so bad. Right, that we all drafted him as a player who is going to improve greatly as a passer, because otherwise we were drafting that magical rushing season, some portion of which is going to be there, right? Uh, and we're going to be very happy about that portion of it. But he he had to improve as a passer. The Bears invested in the passing game with uh, the addition of DJ Moore. That paid off. Um, and so, so yes, I'm feeling that that like the things we hoped would happen are starting to happen. They also happened against a Denver defense that can't stop anything. And also against a Washington uh, defense that, according to uh, top football analyst Magic Johnson, played without fire and intensity. Um, in this case, I agree with that assessment. In this particular game, they just looked like they weren't there or weren't, you know, weren't into the game. So, like, I hope that this is the trend and it continues and I'll play it like it is. Um, and and keep my fingers crossed that he doesn't revert back to the early season version. Yeah, I would say I'm feeling it, but it's not a it's not a. Um, I still have some reservations, and mostly those reservations are the Bears um, and how they handle things. Because yep. watching the Washington game, Justin Fields, you know, did what he was supposed to do. He manipulated the defense well. Also, the defense had, you know, we we often blame the defense for things that really is the the fact that they have to respect certain things that the offense does. And when you look at Justin Fields, who's fast as shit, and you look at Khalil Herbert, who his nickname at Kansas was the Jet um, before he went to Virginia Tech, then you understand that if you're a linebacker, you're caught in a bind. you got to honor those guys, and you're probably going to end up being in situations where you're you've got two linebackers trying to deal two to three linebackers trying to deal with those guys. And meanwhile, Cole Komet, who, who might as well, you know, he could be, he could be you or I and be wide open in, you know, in the middle of the field because of what, what they can do to force defenses to respect play action or read, you know, zone read type of plays. So, you know, but I saw enough from fields to feel confident about him as long as the the Bears continue to create um, offensive scenarios that that um, he can execute, and I think that he's he's going to struggle against the top defenses. Um, he's going to do okay. I do pretty well against the average, you know, average to above average, and he's going to do great against the below average and be and and worse. Zach Moss went off. 
after you know Jonathan Taylor got his money. Um, are you still feeling Zach Moss, or do you think this was just a big fireworks before the end for him in, in terms of fantasy relevancy this season? Oh, I'm just checking the news for the uh, word on his $42 million extension. I don't see it. But <laughs> uh, she tells me uh, that, what a great send-off for you, young man. I look forward to Jonathan Taylor doing all the things you just did in this game, which was surprising. Tennessee Titans have been almost impenetrable for fantasy running backs, you know, like a lot of his work, the 51-yard touchdown was fantastic. You don't see a lot of that against that team. <clears throat> but going forward, that's going to be Jonathan Taylor's role. We will not see much Zach Moss, according to the uh, number of zeros on that paycheck. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do you think Zach Moss gets traded? Are you? I don't know. I think I'd hang on to him if I was. You know, I, well, I see. Look, watch him in post-game interview. He seems like a super happy, nice guy. I don't know if he'll be a you know a malcontent type player who's going to rabble rouse that oh, I'm not getting my time or. You know, uh, somewhere out there, you know, Benjamin is like going, is he talking about me? And maybe. Um, but but, but maybe they will. Maybe they will trade him. Maybe they, you know, maybe someone will see his commodity. I just feel in a league where running backs are pretty much devalued that probably no one's going to want to pay anything for him. Um, <clears throat> just like I didn't think anyone would want to want to pay for Taylor than pay him. Paying him, apparently okay. Paying for him than paying for him, probably not as good. But he's a way more dynamic threat than, you know, our – my eyes and what I saw yesterday, notwithstanding, Jonathan Taylor is a way more dynamic player than Zach Moss. Yeah, I would agree. I think Zach Moss is, I think if you remember Tim Hightower, it's Zach Moss yeah. was drafted in the opposite direction than Tim Hightower was. Hightower had to prove his way upward. Um, Zach Moss had to kind of, you know, kind of his value sank until he said, hold on now, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm still an NFL caliber player here. He did okay? struggle a little bit early though. Right. Like, he I mean, did. he couldn't quite get it going. So yeah. He and couldn't. like sometimes players need a little time to get it together. People. Give That's them, them just talk about quarterbacks. Well, running backs are also in the middle of the middle of the formation. They actually have to process a lot of information <clears throat> um, more than people give them credit for. Um, Brees Hall, oh. huge day. Oh, do I feel this one. You know when you sit there and you spend an entire week advocating that everyone must play a player uh, or else, you know, and I'm not like that guy. I'm not like super like, this is, you know, I'm not pounding the table and demanding, you know, that you do things. I was as close to that as I'd come on Brees Hall. And not just the matchup, but also on his ability. I think on the pregame show on Sirius, if you want to replay that yesterday, uh, we were talking about the over-under on his rushing prop, which was 62 yards. I said he'll do that in one run because the Denver Broncos are that guy. They're that guy. So, uh, right, they're terrible. So, uh, But also, Brees Hall is Brees Hall, and, and we heard going into the game he was going to be the, you know, the, the training wheels are off, whatever, the pitch count's gone, all those things. But mostly it's Dalvin Cook's not good, right? <laughs> Maybe the Minnesota Vikings know a little more about this than we did. Or what we assumed, or certainly more than the Jets did when they paid him what six million to, with a, a yeah. per end of eight million dollars. Uh, the Brees Hall show has begun. I would argue. I I would argue that Brees Hall has been that impressive, and not not in the way that you know we talked about this after Week One, which was not because of his lightning quickness that isn't there still quite there yet. It's getting better, but it's not quite what it was as a rookie i think it's the fact that right. he could adjust his game and still make it look easy and that was always the thing about Brees hall coming out during you know at iowa state you watch his game and go he makes this look way too easy 
and I just wonder what's going to happen. You know, he, he relies a lot on his athletic ability. Well, really what it is is what he has up here, you know, between the ears is special in terms of being able to run the football. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Brees Hall too. I, I think, you know, for me, I was absolutely wrong that I thought, you know, at least at this stage, it is week five after all. And week eight, we might be looking back and right. going, oh, compensatory injuries. But uh, but I would, I'm less cautious about Brees Hall than I was. I'll put it right. that way. He's proven, he's certainly on the path to proving me wrong on, in terms of what I thought <clears throat> about him this year. Good for him. How about Isaiah Pacheco? Um, eyeball test. Isaiah Pacheco is a badass, right? I mean, he just is. You know, he got the touchdown against Minnesota. That was fine. Maybe not a stellar performance. I think that's what you could expect, though. There are going to be games where the running game is going to be the focal point of this offense and games where it's not because Patrick Mahomes. You know, there there will be games where Patrick Mahomes just absolutely takes over and uh, and or needs to take over or that's the game plan going in. But when they ask Isaiah Pacheco to do the job, he looks like he's more than capable of doing it. And hopefully, as you're playing him on the weeks where he doesn't get the kind of volume you'd love, or maybe isn't doing as much with the volume as you love, one of those carries is near the goal line. Yeah. One of the themes of the, today's show is pad level. And Isaiah Pacheco has uh, uh, understands pad level and has shown that this year. Yep. A lot of yards after contact in this game that that made a huge difference in his box score. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely feeling Isaiah Pacheco. Kyle Pitts, good performance. Are you feeling him for the rest of the season? Is it, nah, is it nah, starting nah, to take him. off? <laughs> fuck him. But, but I did feel him this week. I had him in a lot of lineups because I thought it was a really good matchup, and Desmond Ritter did enough. God bless him. Um, but, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, this is within the – the realm of possibility for Kyle Pitts. We, you know, he is this guy. I just don't know if this guy is in the right place. My, 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 if I, if you, if you slap me around a little bit and woke me up at 3 a.m., I'd say, nah, not going to happen. And, yeah, I'm not, and, I'm not feeling Kyle Pitts long-term this year either, um, mainly because of Desmond Ritter. I know that the, that the local beat writers and, and the team are all rallying around Desmond Ritter and saying, well, this is the do? guy that we saw. He can be a leader. I don't worry about whether he can be a leader or not. I'm whether or not he can be a good passer in the NFL. And right now, even watching that game, there were some nice passes, but he's had some nice passes in every game. What he hasn't had is consistency and the ability to read the field well and and be able to have the pass placement consistently where you'd want it. He had some he had some good ones for Pitts and a couple of good ones for um, Drake London. Um, in this game, but the but the defense in terms of what was there, there were some easier situations that than what he's seen with other defenses. So maybe there's some you know Arthur Smith made a few adjustments, or it was just more that this the way that the Texans defense played that him it's a little bit easier to make some decisions. That said, Kyle Pitts looked like he's about 15 years older than what he really is in terms of the way that he moves around the field. But, you know, tight ends at 35 actually do play the game very well. And he showed that he's going to have old man game when he can get through this injury. And, you know, we can fast forward 15 years, you know, 10, 12 years later, he's going to have that too. But it would be, you know, that knee's obviously still bothering him. Um, and yeah. I would, and week I, to I heard, week. I heard a casual mention during the game last week, uh, you know, the, the, 
press box crew, you know, gets time to sit around and talk to all the players in production yeah. meetings, et cetera. And I can't remember who it was, but one of them mentioned like, well, that need not quite hundred percent yet. Like, well, that's not what the Falcons say, like, yeah. right? So I'm guessing that they were, you know, sitting in on the production meeting. It was just like a casual drop and kind of went, really? Yeah. You know, yeah. one of those things that kind of catches your ear and you go, oh, is that so? Yeah, and, and he was and he was limping around last week on certain routes for sure. So, yeah, yeah, I would say that Pitts is a guy that, you, you know, you, you basically have him as a glorified plug-and-play flex option based on bye weeks at this at this stage of the game. Now, speaking of injuries, the Bills' defense. I mean, Flee. Matt Milano, yeah, Teron Johnson, <laughs> um, Demar Hamlin, White. you know, and yeah, Tre'Davious Previous. White. Bob Davis, Miller's sure. coming back though. There you go. Can he cover? I don't think. Yeah, so. I don't think he can. You know, but he can stop them from throwing if he's uh, up to speed. No, yeah. uh, it's not. It's not good. Uh, you go ahead and feel free to uh, move on uh, if you had not already done so. Um, and, uh, and, uh, look at, you know, like we can go back to week one, Brees Hall, big game running against them already. Uh, you know, and, uh, I think Travis Etienne would agree you can run on this defense. So, um, and it's not going to get <laughs> any harder to run against him. If Milano looks like he's out for an extended period, I haven't seen the final reporting, but he had a cast on his leg when I saw him take him off the field or take him to the locker room yesterday. So high, high effort, hard, hard playing defense that just has too many holes now yep. at this point. Yep. Feel Jam that. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs triggered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing that? To me? Um, I'm feeling, uh, feeling abandoned. Um, <laughs> fuck it. No, I'm not fucking him. I mean, he's still a great player. Uh, and, uh, if I invested in him and over invested in him, uh, he's certainly not a churnable piece of my roster yet, given the investment I made in him. Um, you know, which, like, granted, I, and I argue this all year. I liked fourth and fifth round Jameer Gibbs way better than I liked. Oh, right. Jameer Gibbs, round. Jameer Gibbs in your lineup. Oh, in my lineup, and hell no. Yeah, that's all we no. have to say. How about this, uh, Anthony Richardson? <laughs> why are you doing all the guys that I love so much who are not doing as well as I want them to do? I mean, Anthony Richardson is doing extremely well. I feel him when he's on the field. Um, he needs to, uh, I don't know, I, you know, like the thing that makes him great is the thing that's getting him waylaid here. So I'm torn on this one. I'll, I'll hand it off to you. I'm going to say this. I'm going to push back on it and say the thing that makes him great is actually the thing that makes Brock Purdy great, but nobody's recognizing that because they're seeing a big body with a lot of speed that could make him greater than Brock Purdy. And the problem is, is they're overusing that. Let the, just deal with the fact don't do as many design runs. I know that that's the thing that everybody wants from a fantasy points perspective, but if, I'm thinking from more of a dynasty perspective. Let this guy grow. Let him grow from the pocket and do the things that he does well. And yeah, you can have some design runs, but let's let's chill out a little bit on on the the frequency of that. I have a lot of dynasty shares that hope that uh, that somebody is listening to you. Yeah. I I mean he looks phenomenal when he's on the field. Whether yeah. you know whether he's running or passing, whatever he's doing, I'm happy with all of it. Yeah. I just want to see more of it. Yeah. Yeah, fuck the injuries. That's that's basically where we're at at this. But Puka Nakua after uh, feeling him. Feeling yeah. him as a wide receiver 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, locked in wide receiver three. Like if I'm sitting there and every week my decision is Puka Nakua and Drake London, it's an easy damn decision. Yeah. Um, and like there may be, you know, I mean, I think how about Puka Nakua, Michael Thomas? 
Yeah, I'd probably go to Kua right now. All right. I'd probably all lean right. to Kua. I, and I'm all in on Michael Thomas. I think they're both fine. I'm probably leaning a little more to Nakua, but I do think there's probably more wide receiver two weeks there than maybe in Michael Thomas. I would agree, mainly because you look at the you look at the quarterback and the yep. surrounding talent and how it's being used, and that they actually have a left tackle who doesn't need like three two other players to help them out in the way that Trevor Penning has has. I mean, even watching Trevor Penning on the Chris Olave touchdown, they had they had a back and Foster Moreau, you know, helping out there because they knew that the defense was going to blitz when the when the tight end was in there to double team with the left tackle so they tried to test that so looking at it from a you know looking at puka nakua watch him against darius slay he looked good i mean to yep. me that one of the key things when you watch for a receiver who's a rookie is when do they put the primary corner on him and they run a route where maybe his release doesn't work well and the and the defender does a good job covering the play and even getting involved at the catch point and you still come down with the ball Puka Nakua is um, a technically sound receiver who's making tough catches, yep. and he wasn't always making being able to catch the ball at BYU as consistently as he has now, which tells you that he's he's improved the focus because he used to have some focus drops. In a related note, in. feeling Cooper Cup. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, because with Nakua being physical, Atwell being fast, basically they clear out the field and say, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you one side of the field and you have a two way go pretty much yep. whenever you want it. As I was saying on Twitter today, it's like taking a taking your best shootout soccer player and and giving him touches where he's has a one on one with a goalie in the open field pretty much on every, almost every touch that he gets. That's that's kind of where that um Cooper Cup is. Dallas Goddard. Um <laughs> Like, Nothing like, like slowing who, the momentum. Everyone who everyone who drafts him is totally feeling this. I feel like this is an outlier week, you know, and that Ooh. more often than not, you're going to see Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, not in that order, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, uh, you know, targets funneled their way. Uh, and uh, the running game is going to be great. And it's, I mean, I, th I think he's going to, you know, he's capable of this. I think this is the player we all draft him to be. I don't think we'll, I, I don't feel like we'll get this every week. Follow up. Are you, are you telling me Jalen Hurts can't support more than two receivers in this offense? Maybe. Maybe. I'm, I'm starting to think that too. I'm starting to think that too, because I think that um, the way, and this scares me a little bit for Shane Steichen and how he's going to do Anthony Richardson, because if you know, but the difference is that I always thought Anthony Richardson could read the field better than Jalen Hurts could at J at the same points of their career. Jalen Hurts has incredible poise, incredible leadership. He's an incredible dude, great fortitude, emotional fortitude to deal with what he dealt with at Alabama and justifiably what Alabama did. But for him to start his career over at Oklahoma and or continue it and then do what he's done here is awesome. He's a terrific NFL player. But yeah, I don't think the combination of his his strengths and his offense can support three receivers on a regular basis. So yeah. Like generally speaking, it's one, right? Yeah. Like one guy has the huge spike game in any given week. And that's you know, and, and maybe that's part of the design of the offense as well. So um yeah. But yeah, but, so love Dallas Goddard. Think he's that guy. Don't know that he has that role. Yeah, I would agree. Jamison Williams. Who? Yeah, fuck. Oh, him. that guy. No, he's not like a, <laughs> uh, you know, right now, fuck him. I can't. You know, can't can't play him. I've been advocating, you know, all season for 
You know, I don't need to play somebody's breakout. I need to see it and then I'll play it. And, you know, maybe my uh, lineups this week with Joe Burrow will probably wish I had taken a different approach. Um, but that's kind of how I'm playing it. I'm hoping I've developed other players who are maybe getting things done. Maybe Josh Reynolds is one of them who I feel completely. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I need to see Jameson Williams. But just something, a note that I thought was interesting from this week in particular you know, he spent all – we heard all summer that he couldn't catch, and okay. I mean, we heard that about Jamar Chase at one point, too. I'm thinking he can probably catch the ball. Yet, he went away during a suspension, caught 100 passes a day from a jugs machine. What was the reporting upon return? There's a lot of balls on the ground. <laughs> they were throwing to Jamison Williams in practice this week. So, I don't know. That's something he needs to correct. Uh, and in the meantime, I also agree with something Amon Ross St. Brown said, is if you don't run 4-2, you better back up. That's, you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, I'll, so. I'll put it this way. Um, I'll say this in as friendly of a way to all the fantasy analysts and our peers out there who, who do this. Fuck them on Jamison Williams, okay? And, and the meaning being is that what did he do as a rookie? Get hurt, right? He was Got hurt before. Yeah. He Okay. So when this is his rookie year, he's still a rookie and he's a rookie deep threat who drops the ball and needs to fix that. All right. So I'm not counting on that. I don't know how it's like, wait till Jamison Williams gets back. How about wait till Jamison Williams acclimates to the NFL without doing something boneheaded like gambling in your facility when you're not supposed to. So yeah, the way I look at this is Jamison Williams will eventually be a good player. I would bet on that. I would bet heavily on that. But right now, totally feeling Josh Reynolds is the guy who's comfortable, understands right. the game, veteran, great rapport with Jared Goff, and Williams will at best will take over for Khalif Raymond as the field stretcher who occasionally gets a bone. Feeling that. Yeah. Fuck. Mac Fuck yeah. Mac Jones? Uh, <laughs> Anyone? I've, uh, no, I'm not feeling the Patriots right now. I'm just you're gonna, I'm going to surprise you with this one, Matt. Uh, the Patriots not not hitting on all cylinders. What? I did. I do think. I do think they. You know that the, the offense has uh, has a better chance of getting course corrected with an offensive coordinator than without. Um, but also, I'd like to see some signs of. Uh, you know. Uh, you know. I heard some of the complaints about Mac Jones this week. He's looking down. You know, because he's fearful of the pass rush as opposed to watching downfield where you can see open players, all those things. Uh, so this seems like it's not going in a good direction. And I'm guessing, you know, Bill Belichick's were starting over comments. Don't bode well for Mac Jones. Yeah, I'm going to watch this and see. But I, I'm just totally saying fuck the Patriots more right. than there's anything else to. I, I, watched the, I watched the first three quarters of that game until they shut it off and put, it, you know, put the Steelers-Ravens game on. And... I honestly didn't think Mac Jones looked any worse no. than how he has. I think it was I, I think that he hasn't been able to have he hasn't had time in the pocket. The run game hasn't worked. The receivers aren't good. They've never picked a they've you know, I can tell you right if there was a team there's a team that said like low hanging fruit, if I could have low hanging fruit to establish myself as a scout in the NFL if I ever wanted to do that. I wouldn't wouldn't want to do it. But even if even if I wanted to and had the opportunity, I would pick the New England Patriots and say, "Let me scout wide receivers for you." Like if we, I know that's not how that works, 
But if it could work that way and say, let's just start with correcting one problem. I'm going to turn your wide receiver room into into the way people see the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver rooms over the past several years. So you're years. saying my patient way uh, approach with Tyquan Thornton probably isn't going to pay off? Yeah, ah. that's what it, it might work, but nah, probably but, but probably not. No you more know? than my Mike Gusecki shares are going to work. <laughs> yeah, that too. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, I'm, it's starting. Fuck I need him. a deodorizer in here now. Um, Desmond Ritter. I don't know if he's no. good, a good deodorant no. yet, but they did no, win. fuck that. Yeah. No, I mean, he hasn't lost at home either. I mean, to his credit. I guess, you know, if that's what you're after, you're good enough. Fantasy, you know, fantasy-wise, uh, not feeling him at all. Yeah, moving on. Chris Olave. I mean, are you... Is he even in your starting lineups now at this point? He did score. Had a lot, he got the touchdown. I had a lot of questions last week about who to start Chris Olave. And my my easy answer was, you know, well, it's quarterbacks hurt, so you can play these other guys, right? And and maybe that is the correct answer. Right? You know, maybe once all the air yards come back, uh, he will turn back into Chris Olave. Uh, so not giving up on him. But I think he's a player you can like, you know, look at your options and see if you don't have better ones. And better ones are, you know, this is the thing every year. We invest in somebody to be a thing. We want them to be that thing. We keep playing them, though, as though they are that thing when they're clearly not at the moment, right? Just like I'm not playing Jameer Gibbs right now. He's not what I expected him to be. I need to move on and find other pieces. There are other pieces who have risen up and can help you get through until such time as Derek Carr starts delivering the ball down the field more effectively. The offense is working better. Or, you know, I know we like to have a depth chart, you know, kind of as fantasy managers and you play your best guy every week. I think you just have to come to a point where you realize your best guy isn't the guy you thought he was going to be. I want you to remember somebody. There was this wide receiver out of an SEC school back in 2015 who had 1,000 yards, nearly 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. Looked like he was, the, he was a great route runner. And then he followed up with 1,150 yards and five scores, and then he had a and then he had a 14 game season where he only had 680 yards, and everybody thought, "Ooh, he's not really that good. He's a problem." No, it's the quarterback. No, it's him. I don't know. His quarterback was Derek Carr, and then he moved on to the Cowboys, and now he's Amari Cooper with the Cleveland Browns. Um, I'd say, Crystal, if you're in Dynasty, Chris Olave is going through an Amari Cooper-esque type of situation where Derek Carr is not really doing a great job of getting the ball downfield at, with the level of accuracy that you would want, and Cooper's getting some tough targets that he's had close calls but not quite there. Um, I'm not starting him right now, but, um, but in Dynasty, if you can acquire him on the cheap for anybody who's going to give up on him, as the season goes along, you better do that in a hot minute. All right. What about Travis Etienne? Are you feeling I'm, him as a running back one? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I feel much better about him as a running back two. I'm kind of feeling your sometimes answer there, you know? Running back two with running back one upside. Like that's, you know, those are the ideal kind of guys, right? Guys that you can count on for decent solid floor production based on the volume they're getting and you know maybe at some point they gain faith in tank bigsby i think i'm learning some harsh lessons this year about you know how teams view rookies versus how i view rookies and i'm probably going to make course correction going forward and you know like sometimes rookies are great but a lot of times there are teams that clearly have a, a plan to 
like slow roll rookies. And maybe it's a good idea. Maybe there's good reason for it. So, um, so that, you know, uh, maybe take big speed becomes a factor at some point until that point. Uh, Travis Etienne's a great running back too, who is going to give you running back one games on occasion. I'm going to give you an answer to why that happened the way it did in this particular situation. It goes back to the theme I mentioned earlier with Isaiah Pacheco pad level. They asked Travis Etienne to run tougher this year. They told him that he needed to stop bouncing shit outside like he always has and that he needed to get his pads down and run through people when he had a crease. And he's been doing that much better than he ever has in his career. And I think he got told that once at Clemson because his final year at Clemson, he looked better, but it wasn't always there. And then he had that, then he's acclimating to the pros and he, and he forgot about it. And I think this was the second time that he got told that he's like, shit, I better remember this. And he's looked good. I'm, I, I traded for him in a league. I can't believe I even did. And I'm so happy that I did. Um, I think, yeah, I think the way you assessed it is perfect, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's a running back one for the next couple of years. Um, James Cook, on the other hand, looked like that, you know, the offense, he looked cooked. He it's, looked it's cooked. Hard, it's hard to run. Production. It's hard to go. It's hard to run against the Jaguars, right? Yeah. But fuck him. Like this is, this reinforced. So I went into the season with a blind spot, a James Cook blind spot. Uh, I feel like. I want to take this as vindication that my blind spot was well served me well. I don't have a lot of shares of James Cook. I started getting some late in the late in the season just in case. I mean, now I'm kind of wishing I didn't. But for the obvious reasons, the reasons we all knew, like Josh Allen is still there, and no matter how much he says he's not going to run, he still is. They added not one but two capable goal linebacks. One of whom, it turns out, Latavius Murray is cutting into the receiving workload of my guy James Cook, and that's not you know. That's not working out well. I mean, you know, like there are going to be good games because it's a it's a, it's a big time explosive offense. He's uh, here. You go. I just thought of something. He's the Gabe Davis of running backs. Yep. There are going to be big games, but if you're counting on them, you might be disappointed on the regular. I would. I totally amen to that. Dalton Kincaid. Go. Okay. Yeah. He's your guy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it for right now, but I would hang on to him. And the Me reason too. I would hang on to him is at some point this team may get in itself into a jam where they're going to need to expand the offense a little bit. And I think the reason being is that the Bills' defense, being as banged up as it is, they may find themselves in scenarios where they're going to have to throw the ball um, in different ways and be a little bit more aggressive. <clears throat> And I think Kincaid will be the guy where they open it up with him. So I feel I'm, like yeah, for patient. players like this, players like this, or, you know, like Jameer Gibbs, a more, much more, you know, major investment for me. But there's players that, like, you know, once you're invested, give it time, let it happen, right? Let I mean, breathe. you know, even if it's a disappointment that you thought it was going to happen sooner, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just give it a little time. And, you know, if you, if you have other churnable pieces on your roster, and hopefully you do, as we work through the bye season, go, go ahead and go with them and, and hang on to the good piece. But if you get to a week where you can't, like, you know, oh, damn, I got, I got no one to start, them to, you know, try and sneak them through waivers. Jalen Warden. Jalen Warren is the savior of the Steelers running game. Nah, fuck that. There is no savior to that running game. But, um, but you know, again, don't like to speak ill of the Harris clan, but uh, it's, you know, it's not, it's been a little hit or miss for my guy, Anaji. So Jalen Warren gets some really good opportunities. I don't know that he's like a guy that needs to be in fantasy lineups, though. 
uh, every damn week unless you really need him, uh, you know, unless you're in a pinch. A good, a good bye week option. Let me put it to you this way. If Jameer Gibbs were in the Steelers' offense and he got the types of looks that Jalen Warren was getting in terms of these end-arounds and some of these some of these plays where they're both on the field at the same time and they're leveraging Najee Harris to get the attention towards him so that Jalen Warren gets open field, then yes, Jalen Warren's going to look better. This is that classic football fan. I see highlights with Jalen Warren. He's better than Najee Harris as opposed to, how are they using Jalen Warren? So Warren is worthwhile as a flex play. He's not taking over for Najee Harris. Please fuck that. That's not a... He's like the Ty J Spears of the Steelers. Hey, no, no, wait a minute. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. All right. <laughs> On that note, I love you. See you. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs>